Someone once asked Lumpocha, how do we recognize delusion? <clears throat> he said, you're like somebody riding on a horse, asking where the horse is. We have to accept the fact that our starting place in the practice is conditioned by delusion, ignorance. It surrounds us in our own mind and in the minds and hearts of others around us. But it is something that can be known and transcended. We can liberate our minds from delusion and its offshoots, greed and hatred. So the practice of Dhamma Vinaya that we <coughs> undertake as bhikkhus is creating the cause for liberation of heart, vimuti, and liberation from greed, hatred, delusion from the kilesas. <coughs> Just as the ocean, all the waters in the ocean has one taste, saltiness. So all the Dhamma has the taste of liberation. Aiding us to achieve, reach liberation, freedom from kilesa, freedom from suffering freedom from samsara. It's worth reminding ourselves of that, that every part of the practice, every aspect, can have a liberating effect on our mind. We shouldn't overlook anything or underestimate anything or take any part of the practice for granted because all of it is part of the system of training that is helping to liberate our hearts and minds. So whether it's the Vinaya, we have many minor rules, major rules, or aspects of Dhamma, teachings, reflections, they all can serve to liberate the mind from kilesas.
every moment of our lives can be a moment we're liberating ourselves through establishing mindfulness mindfulness of the past attending to the practice of sila samadhi panya at any moment Obviously we begin with that which is more obvious, so we come into the bhikkhu life, we have to learn the rules, but learning them on paper and memorizing them is not the same as practicing them. That requires something extra, we have to observe ourselves day by day. <coughs> in different situations keep recollecting the rules of training the ways of training, the practices to see that if we're applying our minds to them with the understanding that they help us to bring up mindfulness and to restrain the outward excesses of the kilesa. <coughs> so we're learning to replace greed and different forms of unwholesome desire with contentment, moderation, restraint, and replacing anger and hatred with harmlessness kindness, compassion. So much of our practice is about reviewing, recollecting, looking back at our behavior and also learning what conditions, what situations bring up Kilesa, so also even predicting where Kilesa might arise and bringing mindfulness and skillful means to bear before something's even happened. So we make our understanding and then maybe make decisions and plans, bring in strategies to avoid Kilesa arising. That doesn't really change on whatever level we're practicing, whether it's just beginning by learning the rules of training as a bhikkhu, or on the most refined level, working with the mind, coming out of states of samadhi, reflecting on the three characteristics of existence. We're constantly looking and learning from the mind, understanding where Kilesa arises and how to abandon it and how to prevent it from arising again. That's our motivation in practice, 
wholesome desire, kusala, chanda, you have to have the desire to abandon kilesa and also prevent kilesa from arising and to develop the path, maintain the path, bring it up into existence. It's the beginning of success in practice. We all want success, we all want liberation from the kilesas, we all want peace and happiness. But we have to keep generating that skillful desire to overcome kilesa. It's an idipada as well as one of the four roads or pathways to success, to realize our potential. They're all aspects of the mind, training the mind, so bringing up this, the desire, developing the desire to abandon kilesa, putting effort into that wiriya, focusing the mind on that purpose, jitta, and investigating and understanding what one needs to do to achieve that purpose. Vimangsa, Panya, Wisdom. These four qualities of mind, these are the roads to success that anyone wishing to become enlightened has to develop. Closely related to the four Samapahanas, the four right efforts to abandon kilesa, prevent kilesa from arising, and the effort to develop wholesome dhammas and bring them up and develop them. Something we have to constantly be reviewing and re-energizing our motivation in the practice because Kilesa is constantly coming up into the mind because we're riding on the horse of delusion. The mind, whenever we're not vigilant, observant, will keep slipping back into old habits of greed, hatred and delusion. So we use all aspects of the practice, the sila, meditation techniques and then wise reflection, learning, learning to observe, see our own mind, know the mind itself. Becoming more familiar with the whole process. How does kilesa arise? What's it affect? How does it affect the mind? How to abandon kilesa? What's it like once we free the mind from kilesa. We have all the raw material, all the information available to us from our own experience. And this is where we have to be very, very persistent, careful, persistent to keep coming back to look at our own experience. Because even though we 
listen to the Dhamma and read it, discuss it. It's not the same as actually observing our own minds from moment to moment in our day. We have to keep learning this skill of being observant, aware of our own experience and what's going on in the mind. Who is it who's aware? It's the jitta, the mind itself, training it in that skill, using mindfulness techniques, using the sila, the rules of training, using the breath, using bhutto, and then training to reflect wisely on what is going on in our experience of our own mind. In the end, the kilesas are just what they are. They're just part of nature. They don't belong to anybody. They don't, they're not a self or a being. There's no one you can pin the blame on. The kilesas are just a part of nature, just like anything else is. And they're conditioned by delusion, ignorance. But the more awareness we have, the more we understand that, the more we can recognize the harm, the suffering that Kilesa brings, the suffering of falling into states of greed, anger, jealousy, and the confusion of a deluded mind. But there's nobody that we can actually blame or attribute all of that to. Kilesas just function according to their own nature. When there's delusion, the mind grasps at things, grasps at the pleasant and wants pleasant experiences, pleasant feeling, interesting, satisfying experiences. And it rejects and it's averse to unpleasant experiences. And the mind is just going to keep on doing that, whether we know it or not, we like it or not. That's the way a mind functions when it's conditioned by delusion. It grasps. Every time delusion arises, a moment of deluded, of deluded mental state, with that comes sense of self, this sense of grasping, sense of I, and this is something that belongs to me. So this body is my body, it belongs to me. This mood, this thought, this mental state, it's me and it belongs to me. That's how delusion affects the mind, that's the, the causal conditioning process that we're learning from and observing day in, day out. So pleasant things happen, we like them, we want them, we grasp at them. Me, mine, myself. 
But with that conditioning based on delusion, then we fall into different modes of greed and attachment. And that leads on to more suffering, more unhappiness. When you can't hold on to pleasant experiences, you suffer. You can't recreate them, get them back, you suffer. We don't get as much pleasure as we previously had, we suffer. Every time the mind falls into that way of thinking, that mode, suffering arises because of this sense of self grasping at pleasure and the objects that bring up pleasure, sight, sound, taste, smell, touch, memories and ideas. Unpleasant experiences come from delusion and they bring a sense of self with them. As long as the mind is caught into delusion, we grasp at them. I don't like, don't want. Sense of me, mine, myself, this is me, this is this belongs to me, this experience, this pain of the body or the pain of the mind is me, mine, myself. Either way, pleasure or displeasure, the mind takes it over as self because of delusion. There's no one making us do that and there's nobody in control. It just happens according to cause and condition. Whatever labels and descriptions we put on the experience, however we want to interpret it with our minds, is just happening in nature. The eyes see a pleasant form, eye consciousness arises, Sukhavetana arises, and if there's no mindfulness and insight, craving arises, all by itself, without anybody planning or scheming or doing anything, it just happens. That's the way nature works. But if mindfulness is established, then there's an opportunity to learn at that point from that experience and recognize there's actually no self involved. It's just an experience, it's just phenomena, physical phenomena, mental phenomena, doing their thing, producing a pleasant or an unpleasant feeling and leading on to an emotional reaction. I like, I don't like, I want, don't want. But mindfulness is exposing this, is showing us how delusion is functioning in, the, in our experience. It's showing us where the horse is, right under our noses. So the more we bring up mindfulness, the more we're going to see Kalesa arising Kalesa passing away, Kalesa being conditioned, Kalesa forming in the mind, the results of Kalesa, the suffering, the increased attachment, the sense of being, existence, being, becoming, ultimately the causes for future birth as well. And the practice of mindfulness and the clarity it brings and then investigation of the Dhamma will 
expose to us, show us exactly what's going on so that we can change that whole process, can challenge it, change it, and don't just have to let it keep taking place all the time. With mindfulness we gain equanimity, so we also we don't have to blame anyone for having kilesas in the mind. It's not like I'm bad because I have kilesas. Kilesas are just kilesa. They are just what they are. We don't have to create a personal opinion or judgment about them. The Dhamma is good, Kilesa is bad. True mindfulness is non-judgmental. It's just recognizing, observing what is what. Cutting through delusions, just seeing it's like this. When the eye see a pleasant form, liking arises. If no mindfulness is present, this leads to desire, to attachment, proliferates the mind, it creates the mind in a certain way and we have a sense of self form with that. We hear an unpleasant sound, maybe the words of somebody that we don't agree with or don't like. It's just sound. We have an ear, there's vibration and there's ear consciousness arising, knowing that sound. But with the unpleasantness of it, the interpretation we put on it, craving vipavadanha arises, leading on to attachment, sense of self, being. This is what we're studying day after day. And obviously if you train in Dhamma and Vinaya, you train in mindfulness, you train in the sila, the Vinaya, it supports this awareness, the refinement of awareness to watch and see and learn from what's going on. As bhikkhus we support each other in this way, you know, we practice as diligently as we can and that our own diligence will affect those around us. And the more we try to establish mindfulness, follow the sila, use the meditation techniques, reflect on our own experience, that will help the others around us as well. we generate a good atmosphere, wholesome atmosphere for practice when we put effort into our own practice. We can't do this for anyone else. You cannot make anyone else mindful of their own kilesa arising and have the clarity, the insight to abandon their kilesa. But you can do it for yourself and in that way influence others in a good way through example and generating a peaceful atmosphere for others to practice, a supportive atmosphere.
could even call it a form of dana, maybe the highest dana, the dhamma dana, where we put effort into our own practice of the vinaya training, mindfulness of action, mindfulness of speech, and then learning to reflect on our own mental activity to recognize greed, anger and delusion and abandon it. And doing that, that's, that's an offering to the world. It's in some small way creating the causes for liberation in the world as well as our own mind. We can be supportive of others in their quest for liberation. generating is a sense of equanimity, upeka, through the mindfulness practice and then reflecting on Dhamma. That unshakability of mind based on the presence of mindfulness and wisdom and the determination to abandon kilesa, the skillful or the wholesome desire to abandon kilesa not wishing to support the arising or the development of kalesa in the mind. So we develop equanimity, true equanimity, not equanimity based on dullness or an attitude of indifference or not caring towards the world. True equanimity based on the presence of mindfulness and wisdom, not willing to give in to Kilesa, whatever the situation, whether one one's, when one's on one's own or with others. One's experiencing pleasant things or unpleasant things. The mind is always returning to a place of equanimity and maintaining it sustaining it. With that equanimity then we experience some real peace. Sometimes we call it emptiness. When our teachers talk about emptiness, it's the emptiness of equanimity mind is free from suffering, free from kilesa, free from the sense of self. In Thai they say jit wang. And when there's a moment or sustained moments of mindfulness, then we're experiencing a mind that is empty. But it's still aware not empty and as a vacuum with nothing happening. The mind is still aware, sensitive, understands what is wholesome and unwholesome, what is correct and incorrect. The mind is still practicing Dhamma Vinaya, but the sense of self is 
disappearing or has disappeared. Jit Wang. The opposite they call Jit Wun, as in Wun Wai, meaning disturbed, troubled, confused. That's what the sense of self brings with it. The attachment to the pleasant and the unpleasant disturbs the mind, confuses the mind, creates more craving, attachment, becoming ultimately more birth, old age sickness, and death, sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief and despair. The disturbed, confused mind is the mind of self, grasping at idea of self, feeling of self, emotions that we identify with as self, as me, mine, belonging to me. The body as self, rupa, my body. Mind as self, perceptions, thought formations, sense consciousness, feeling. The empty mind does not grasp it. These things as self, just knows with equanimity the way things are. Who knows? And the mind knows itself, just knows through the training in mindfulness and wisdom. The mind knows where the horse is, so it doesn't doubt about it anymore. And see Kalesa, can see the delusion that's feeding Kalesa. Even if Kalesa is still arising, the mind knows them for what they are. Kalesa is Kalesa, Dhamma is Dhamma. Often in the beginning of the practice we feel we have to attack kilesa, mental defilements. We might have some intuition or recognize on one level that kilesa are the cause of suffering. So we see them as something bad or evil. But the subtlety of mindfulness is not established yet, so the labelling of kilesa as bad, evil, generates more aversion, or more kilesa. And often it's a self-perpetuating cycle in the beginning of practice. Kilesa arise, and then more kilesa arise because of the first lot of kilesa, another lot arises as we judge them Maybe we have a sense of despair or disappointment with ourselves, even though there's no self there anyway. But because we create the idea of self, then we have a sense, I'm a bad self, or a weak self, or a defiled self. And on it, on it goes. So again, another way to deal with that is maybe rather than attack the kilesas head on, judging them, 
getting angry or upset about them or depressed about them simply to manage them as Lumpur Buddha Dasa used to say if you can treat them like a tiger a tiger is something that's dangerous wild very powerful Chilesa is like that our greed anger, jealousy can be very powerful, destructive, can destroy our own peace of mind, destroy our relations with other people very easily, quickly. How to deal with that? If you just get angry with yourself or with the Kalesas, well it can make the whole thing worse. So when they catch a tiger, they don't bother fighting with it, that's too much, too difficult because it's so strong. They just keep it in a pen and starve it until it starts to calm down. They limit it, its behavior, they manage its behavior, they limit what it can eat and drink and where it can go. But they don't fight it head on because it's too difficult. And this is the way the Vinaya helps us to train the mind by actually limiting what the Kilesas can do without having to attack them or judge them or get upset about them. We just use the, Kilesa, the Vinaya to manage them, tame them in a more skillful way. So we practice restraint, restraint restraint of speech and actions, modesty, moderation, simplicity, learning to live in a way where it's easy to look after, don't need a lot, harmlessness, not passing on our calaces to others through our speech, our actions. The Kalesas might still be there inside, ready to rage up even, but we manage them, we limit them, tame them in that way. What you find is over time, they weaken because of this process of using the Vinaya training and mindfulness training to manage them. If you don't keep indulging them in them, then they weaken by themselves. It's just a, another truth of nature. If you don't feed something, indulge it, it weakens. Its power gets less. Its influence over the mind gets less. So if you don't keep looking and following, seeking out the desire, the objects of your desires, say sexual desire, or sensual desire, it'll start to weaken. It's easier to deal with. If you don't keep following aversion, dwelling on what brings you aversion, acting and speaking with aversion, it'll weaken and you can manage it better. All the time that you live in the robes, in the monastery and you practice this, it's a process of weakening undermining the strength of the Kilesas 
until eventually you have enough mindfulness and wisdom that you can cut them off. Completely control the mind. But you have to do that in gradual stages. If you just go head on in the beginning, you'll probably find you bounce back with an unpleasant, unfortunate reaction. Maybe even get mauled by the calaces like a tiger mauls someone, even to the point where you give up altogether. If you use a wiser approach and just gradually create a cage around them, gradually starve them and limit them what they can do, then you can work with them and see them for what they are and they're not so scary and not so powerful. All of us are working in that way, working to tame the calaces inside. Most people have to approach that in a quite a gradual, careful way, just like you're approaching a wild tiger. Because it can have that unfortunate reaction if you try too hard, too quick, too extreme. So I'll leave you with these reflections tonight.